Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. Beloved, if a Buddhist priest can believe that through worship, praise, and prayer, and offering incense to an evil spirit, the spirit would come and communicate with him, how much more as priests of the Most High God should we be aware of the fact that God our Father inhabits the true praises of his people? And how much more should we in faith offer the incense of praise and worship to the Father, knowing that he will manifest his presence and his glory within our midst and also Fill the house, and we are the house, or we are the temple of the living God, to communicate with us, to direct our spirits, and to illuminate our minds. How much more? Beautiful words. How much more should we expect this manifest presence of God in our lives? Amen. I'm not going to take the time to read through the entire text. The scripture that I want to point out in particular is verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Matthew 17, 20. Jesus was answering their question, Why could we not cast out the devil? And Jesus gave them an answer to their question, saying, Because of your unbelief. Today, many are offended if they are told that a lack of faith or unbelief prevented their prayers from being answered or prevented the miracle from being consummated. They're upset and they become highly offended because we tell them that or that's expressed as the reason why something didn't take place or something didn't happen. Well, beloved... I don't know about you, but I'd rather hear the truth than to have somebody tickle my ears and tell me what I want to hear. That that's okay. You've already been to Rama Bible Training Center, and since you've been down there, certainly you couldn't have a lack of faith in your life. There couldn't be any unbelief in your life. I mean, you know, you're Mr. Faith. And it should be apparent to all of us that it has to be something out of the will of God. It couldn't have been anything that you could possibly have done wrong to prevent your prayer from being answered. Well, beloved, we want to be honest and sincere with God, don't we? And we also want to be honest and sincere with ourselves, don't we? Jesus said the official reason why they could not cast out the devil was because they were faithless and perverse. In verse 17, he said, You faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, if people would rather believe that it wasn't God's will to answer their prayer, or if they'd rather believe that it was a no answer that God was given, well, then that's up to them. And if you read a part of this, you can, you know, be led to believe that, that they couldn't cast out the devil, and consequently, it mustn't have been God's will, and they went on their way. But Jesus didn't allow them to believe that. Did you notice that? Jesus did not allow them to believe that. He said, you bring him to me. He didn't allow them to walk away thinking, well, it must have been God's will for this one to be delivered.
because, you know, we've delivered others. Jesus refused to allow them to believe that the answer from God was no. The answer from heaven was no. Or that it wasn't the will of God for that man to be delivered, for that boy rather, to be delivered from that demon possession. And, of course, epilepsy and lunacy that was attacking his life and also the tendency to commit suicide. Jesus did not say they couldn't cast out the devil because it wasn't God's will. Nor did he say they couldn't cast out the devil because of the fact that he wanted to teach them a lesson or he needed more time to get a message over to them. Jesus said the official reason why you couldn't cast out the devil and heal this boy was due to your unbelief. In other words, due to your lack of faith. And then he goes on saying, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, pure all the way through, you would say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it, will, it shall remove, and nothing. Everyone say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible with you. Powerful words, aren't they? Will you look at that with me again? Powerful words. Nothing shall be impossible with you. Not with God, but unto you. So their problem was unbelief. Their problem was a lack of faith. That was the problem. They accepted that. Would to God that people today would accept the same truth. You say, well, brother, now how, how do you know that people lack faith today? Because if they didn't lack faith today, then all things would be possible. Nothing would be impossible unto them. That's what Jesus said. Well, let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, and reinforce what we're saying. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, Jesus went out from thence and came into his own country. This was in his own hometown, in his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was coming, began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon his few sick folk, and, he he and healed them? And, they and he marveled because of their unbelief. Whether we choose to recognize it or not, my brother and sister, doubt and unbelief limit God. They limited the activity of Jesus' ministry back then, and it also continues to limit his ministry here upon the earth today. Doubt and unbelief will limit God. It will short-circuit the power of God. It will interrupt the power of God and prevent it from accomplishing the purpose of the Father's will. And I believe, and we all should believe, that it would be an insult to suggest that Jesus lacked power or that Jesus didn't believe. We see here that Jesus marveled at their unbelief, and so as a cure, and this is the title of our message, The Cure for Unbelief, as a cure or as a remedy, Jesus went about doing what? Teaching. I'd rather say, well, you know what? I've got a problem with doubt and unbelief. Teach me. Than to be taught that it was not God's will to meet my need. 
Because it's that kind of teaching that puts doubt and unbelief in the hearts and minds of people. Or that maybe God's answer to you was no. Because that puts doubt and unbelief into the hearts and minds of people. No, we cannot say that it was a lack of power on Jesus' part. It was not. The Bible is emphatic. It was their unbelief that limited what God could do in their midst. And beloved, it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have at that moment the power of God operating in His life. He did have it operating. But many did not even come out to see Him because of their unbelief. Did you know that? And even those who went there, many of them didn't believe in it anyhow. But you read the other testimonies of the others who went to Him. They went eagerly seeking to touch the hem of His garment, knowing that when they did, they would be whole. That's faith. The woman with the issue of blood desired to touch the hem of his garment. And the Amplified, it says, For she kept saying, If I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. And Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. The power was flowing then and there. And it was also flowing right here. The problem was their inability to make contact with that power, allowing it to do the Father's work due to unbelief. So either they didn't come out to see Him, or they were highly developed in unbelief, and the power could not be effective in consummating the Father's will in their lives. Well, Jesus did mighty works elsewhere, but what prevented mighty works from being done there in His own hometown? Lack of faith or unbelief. And the the problem, my brother and sister, is just as acute today as it was then. It's a problem. And I'm, I'll show you why. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3 because as a remedy, Jesus went about teaching. We're not putting people down for having a lack of faith and having unbelief because, my brother and sister, we are all victims of it. Well, how can you say that? I know it for a fact because Jesus said in Matthew seventeen twenty, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And so we start walking around with nothing being impossible unto us. We lack faith in our lives. Are you bold enough to admit that? Are you honest enough to admit that? I think we should all be honest enough to to admit the fact that we can have more faith operating in our lives. And I'll I'll be honest with you. It's when we start recognizing the fact that we can do something about it, that's when something's going to happen in our lives. But if we're deceived into thinking, well, you know what? I am a person who is full of faith and power, and I couldn't possibly have any more faith in God than I have right now. We deceive our own selves. We deceive our own selves. Because we'll start thinking that, well, if something didn't happen, since I'm the person with all this faith and power, if something didn't happen, well, it must have been God's will, because it certainly wasn't me. And once again, Jesus didn't allow those people to walk away from that place of prayer thinking that it was not God's will. For that boy to be healed or delivered from the devil. He refused to allow that to happen. He said, you bring him to me. I'll show you the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God. And got that boy delivered. He says, now the reason is because of your unbelief. Strong words. Nothing shall be impossible unto you if you have faith. In Hebrews chapter 3, 
Here's something we need to be taught about unbelief. Jesus went about then teaching because he marveled at their unbelief and knew the only way to remedy the situation would be to do what? To teach them things that they need to know. In the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. We need to face the fact that unbelief was and still is a sin in the sight of the living God. Did you know that? It is a sin in the sight of the living God. As a matter of fact, it, according to the scripture, it is the sin of having an evil heart. Remember the spies went out and they came back with an evil heart or evil report of unbelief? That's what this is referring to. They had within themselves an evil heart of unbelief. God is not pleased when His people walk in unbelief. It did not please Him back then. It does not please Him today. And as a matter of fact, I want to show you another scripture. Hold your place there in Hebrews because we want to come back to the book of Hebrews. But in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, I want to show you a place here where Jesus really addressed the issue head on with His disciples. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, and verse 14. Afterward, He appeared unto the eleven, and as they sat at meat, as they sat at meat, rather, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. I want you to underline or underscore or highlight that word upbraided there. The word upbraided there means to criticize severely. It means to find fault with. It means to reproach severely. It means to scold vehemently. Are we getting the picture? Jesus was not pleased with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Just as Jehovah was not pleased with the Israelites' unbelief and hardness of heart. Well, He warned them and told them time and time again, Where is your faith? Wherefore didst thou doubt? How is it that you have no faith? I don't understand this. Now, all of a sudden, he's about to leave them. And finally, what does he do? He scolds them. He brings up the issue of unbelief and hardness of heart again. And he scolds them. What do I have to do to get you to believe? Is probably what he's saying to them. What will it take to make you believe? Well, beloved, we don't point this out or bring this out to bring condemnation. Just as I'm sure Jesus didn't point that out and bring it out to condemn His disciples. He brought it out for teaching purposes and He wanted to let them know, Look, unbelief and hardness of heart is dangerous to your spiritual well-being. You need to do something about that condition in your lives. I have provided everything I can possibly provide for you, including the resurrection from the dead. What more do I have to do, he's saying, to get you to believe? 
And so he began to upbraid them, to scold them, to reproach them severely because of their lack of faith, because of their unbelief. Go on back to the book of Hebrews now. And this time turn to chapter 12. You will notice in chapter 11, the writer wrote about the faith of people of God. We call it the Faith Hall of Fame. Talking about how people believe God in all kinds of different times of need and of trouble. Points out all the different heroes of faith and heroines of faith. Revealing all the different things they believe God for. And, and of course, giving honor to them. To give honor to whom honor is due. Recognizing them. And then we are told in chapter 12 of verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside and every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our what? Then what is the sin that so easily besets us? Exactly. It is the sin of unbelief. Now, I want you to see something here in this word, this word beset. It will help us to understand the battle and the warfare that we're involved in. Notice the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. It's evident then that there is a fight to faith, isn't there? But this scripture will help us to become enlightened as to the nature of the fight. Beset. The word beset there actually means troubles us, harasses us surrounds us, hems us in. It's constantly present or attacking us. It is obsessive. And what he's saying is, look, we've got a cloud of witnesses up there, all testifying to what faith can do, those who have finished their course, they've run their race, they've received their crown, they're in glory, cheering us on. Let us set aside every weight and especially that sin that so easily besets us, the sin of unbelief that surrounds us, that harasses us, that hems us in, that is always present there before us. Attacking us, wanting to obsess us, to possess, to be so obsessive in our lives. It's always there. It's the sin of unbelief. And what the writer is saying is get your eyes off of your circumstances and start looking unto Jesus, the author of Beloved, no one will begin to develop a strong life of faith where nothing is impossible until they truly begin to look at Jesus. He is the one who has authorized our faith. He is the one who develops and perfects our faith and brings it to completeness. We've got to get our eyes on Jesus, get our eyes off the circumstances. But he says they surround us. Causing us, wanting us to highly esteem them above what Jesus has done for us. 
Do you see the warfare, the struggle that we're in? Just as they were in the same warfare and struggle. It's this struggle to rise up above our senses. I think of, of, of Abraham and Sarah. And how when God first began to reveal to them that they would have a child, how Sarah laughed. This is ludicrous. This is ridiculous. In my old age, I am beyond that point. How am I going to bring forth a child? But God had to work with her. Yes, she was in doubt. Yes, she was in unbelief. But God had to work with her. He worked with her spirit. He authorized her faith to believe by proclaiming truth to her. And she began to hear truth and began to realize, you know what? This may not be all that impossible after all. But I tell you what, thank God that our spiritual condition can change for the better. And that although it may seem right now this scripture is way beyond our reach, Matthew 17, 20, that nothing shall be impossible unto us. Beloved, if we'll just hook up with God, if we'll just begin to look at Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith and allow Him to do something with our spiritual condition, it won't be very long before we begin to truly recognize that God meant what He said. But as long as we are kept untaught, believing that God doesn't want to answer our prayers, or God doesn't want all those things to be a reality in our lives, or it's not His will that we have all these glorious things happening in our lives, beloved, then no, all things will not be possible. Changes will not take place within our innermost being. But it's, it's when we just turn ourselves loose in God, so to speak, and say, you know what, Father, I'm going to be just as daring as you've been bold to proclaim to me, an individual upon this earth, that all things are possible to me. See, faith is so tender. You think of a Zacharias, a great man of God, unable to believe that his wife will bring forth a child. You think of the young handmaiden, Mary, who says, And now it's her body. Deed unto me, according to thy word. Think about it. You would think, certainly, this man of God should have faith. But no, he doesn't express faith. He expresses doubt and unbelief with regard to the word of God. But Mary says, Beat unto me. If you took them and set them side by side, they look like two human beings. One male, one female. Think about it. How do you analyze the situation? You can't see within their spirits. But you hear what they say. And of course, the angel has his job to carry out judgment for doubt and unbelief but also to reward those who believe, those who have faith. The Bible says He is a reward of those that come to Him in faith and diligently seek Him. Amen? Do you see that? See, we see the differences here. We see how things didn't happen through unbelief, but we see how things did happen in the lives of those who, who, who possessed faith. And we have to realize and recognize that God is still dealing with all of our hearts, wanting changes to take place. But, beloved, we've got to lift our spirits up to a higher plane. We've got to lift up our eyes and begin to see that we can truly reach out. 
and be delivered from the place that we're at right now and press on with God and press on to that realm of the Spirit where all things are possible. Believing that, yes, God can use someone like me. Yes, God can use someone like you. And God's Word is true to you. And God's Word is true to me. And if Jesus said it, He meant it. God will make it good. And whatever it takes, Father God, for me to have this great faith of yours enlarged in my spirit life, I'm willing to give myself to you so that the adjustments can be made. I want to be one who pleases God by faith. It's my desire, Father God. I've said it before. I'll continue to say it time and time again. Pentecostal people do not need more power. They need faith in the power that they have. We need faith in the power that we have that God has imparted to our spirits by His Spirit and through His Word. What are we to do? What do we begin? Make note of it. Number one, we recognize it as sin. Number two, we confess it penitently. And number three, we set out to seek God by exercising faith. We make a decision, in other words. I recognize... See, beloved, if we don't recognize unbelief as being sin, for the Bible says anything that's not done in faith is what? Sin. If we don't recognize that, then we don't do anything about it. If a person doesn't recognize that putting bad things into his body is sin and a bad habit and in any type of form, he just goes on doing it. But when he realizes he is sinning against his own body, how about the, let me get, be more explicit here. What about those who commit fornication? You've talked to them. Well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's you know, this is the uh, 1980s. But haven't you professed Christianity? Haven't you professed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Oh, yes, I have. Well, then you know the Bible teaches that fornication is sin? Oh. Well, now you've been informed. Now it's sin. And once you know it's sin, what are you supposed to do? Stop doing it. Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Beloved, when we recognize that unbelief is sin and acknowledge it as sin, then we'll start doing something about it. But as long as we think that, oh, it doesn't really matter whether I believe God or whether I don't believe God, we'll have that kind of an attitude about it and we'll never get anywhere else in God as far as growing and developing in great faith. We have to see it as it truly is and deal with it. Not become offended. And right away, you can hear people just speaking in your ears saying, Well, now, brother, if you're saying this and this is all true, what about sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so who was a great man of God, a great woman of God, and yet they didn't get their miracle in their life? Beloved, we do not set people up as examples. Whether or not one has his or her prayer answered is irrelevant. There are those that don't get saved. Does that mean saving faith is no good? There's no such thing as saving faith? Absolutely not. There is saving faith. Does that belittle the person who didn't believe God? Absolutely not. Thank God they're in heaven. But what it does mean is that Jesus was true. And when He said that nothing shall be impossible to you, we've got to search our own hearts and find out what we believe. Forget about other people. What do we believe Where are we at in God? And then go on in God. For whatever reason, anybody didn't make it. That's between that person and God. I'll be quite frank about it. Just because Jesus preached our divine potential up here, and we're only living right down here, that doesn't give us a reason to stop our pursuit of the goal that Jesus placed before us.
Just because others didn't make it also, it doesn't mean that that goal is unattainable. What it means, beloved, is we become more serious in the things of God, recognizing our divine potential and saying, you know what, I'm moving on with God to greater heights and deeper depths. I'm moving on with God to develop a stronger life of faith in my life, recognizing that what Jesus said is dynamic. Yes, it is a challenge that's seemingly beyond our understanding. Nevertheless, it was spoken out of the mouth of God. If He said it, it's good. If He spoke it, it'll come to pass. And He said, those who believe, those with faith, as the grain of mustard seed was said to that literal mountain, be removed, it would be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He wants us to believe and have faith in the fact that He is the Almighty One who is living within us, who upholds all things by the word of His power, all things being subservient to the word of His power, and therefore, when we speak out His Word in faith, it is, in effect, not us. We're not the ones speaking. It's not, we're not the ones speaking. But it's the Father in us who is speaking through us His Word in the earth so that all things change at the command of His holy written Word. Remember, He told His disciples, when you go and speak out, it's not just you that's speaking, but it's your Spirit of your Father who's inside you speaking. Well, all things are subservient to the Word of God's power, beloved. And when we put that Word inside our hearts and we begin to speak it out, it's God in us that doeth the works. Yes, maybe Jesus spoke it out, but He said, I didn't do the works of my Father. He did, he did the work. And the words He said, I speak are not my own. They're the words of Father gave me to speak. What a challenge to our hearts here tonight. Rise up, O people of God. Rise up within your spirit. Look unto Jesus the author, the developer of your faith. He is the one that said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Repeat His words until unto you they become true. Amen. Don't look for a way not to obtain or achieve the divine potential that Jesus placed before us. Look for a way to achieve it, to obtain it Amen. by reaching out in faith and taking hold of it. Fight the good fight of faith, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Lay hold of eternal life by doing so, because it belongeth unto you. See, he wants us to rise up in faith. Why? Because Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh back to the earth, will he find faith? Men's hearts everywhere will fill them for fear. When he comes, will he find faith upon the earth? Beloved, I'll tell you what. He'll find it where there's good teaching. He'll find it where there's good teaching. He'll find it where the ears of the people hear what thus saith the Lord. And when they base what they believe not on, not on circumstances or even the inability of people to make the Word of God work. When they base what they believe on, that is the foundation of their faith life, on what Jesus said and on what Jesus said alone. Amen. Am I not to preach it because I have not a yet, as of yet achieved that divine potential and ultimate goal? Paul said, I have not obtained. Are we not to listen to him then because he said, I have not obtained? He says, no, I'm pressing toward the mark. 
I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm walking in the light that I have and I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm a man in, in God, moving with God, wanting to obtain and achieve God's best for my life. Follow me. Am I not to listen to him? No, I listen to him. Just because he hasn't obtained God's full divine potential for his life, it doesn't mean that what he's saying is not true. What he's saying is true because he's quoting, Thus saith the Lord. And beloved, no matter where we're at, that's why, let's put our heads up high. Let's pick our heads up high. No matter where we are at in God right now, you know what? He is speaking to our hearts. He's challenging our hearts this night. And He's saying, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And I want you to lift up your heads and begin to proclaim that you are the child or children of the living God. And nothing is impossible unto me because Jesus authorized my faith. He told me if I had faith, nothing shall be impossible unto me. He authorized me to say those words, that nothing is impossible unto me. And beloved, our Father God wants us to know that He is a prayer-answering God, a miracle-working God in all power and might. And as we call upon Him in faith, believing, then all things are possible unto us because we are those who walk in the faith of the living God. He wants us to begin to recognize Him as a prayer-answering, miracle-working God who is right there with us, in us, alongside us, and for us to do all that we ask Him to do. He wants us to become acquainted with Him so intimately that we know that when we ask of Him, we receive of Him, as Jesus said. Until those scriptures become true, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and shall be open unto you. If you ask your Father anything, He'll do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That your joy may be full. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, shall be done unto you. Because you are the believer. You're not the doubter. You're the one who walks in the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. This is the God kind of faith. Oh, beloved, even in our prayer, like I said earlier, our worship life, He wants us to worship Him in faith, believing more so that God our Father will manifest Himself as we truly minister to Him in love. Do you see that? That's what faith would say. He wants us to recognize that as we pray in the Holy Ghost, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. He wants us to acknowledge that and recognize that and then do that because we believe that. Amen. Developing that type of faith as we pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, beloved, we're going to talk along these lines and continue to talk along these lines. And we're going to share some things. Um, if you've got all night, I know I do, and I've got enough information to really... And there's, there's really, once again, there's, there's much here that I want to give. But can I just express something? God our Father wants us to have faith in Him as, as a Father. Not only as a God, but also as a Father. And the first reference to unbelief or lack of faith, do you realize that Jesus told His, his followers when He expressed the very Father heart of God in the Sermon on the Mount? You know what He said to them? You know, if you can't believe that God will provide your food, clothing, and water, water that you need to drink and your food and clothing and what is necessary for life. He said, if you can't, oh, you have little faith. Did you know he said that? First thing he told them, oh, you have little faith. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find out that God per performed a miracle six days a week. Some people think, well, I asked God for, for money yesterday, or I asked God for gasoline yesterday, or I asked God to, to, to pay that bill yesterday. How can I justify asking Him tomorrow or next week to pay my bill or, or to put food on my table? How can I do that? Beloved, He did a miracle for God six, or, or He did a miracle for His children, children of Israel, six days a week. A miracle of provision in the wilderness 
six days a week for 40 years to show them He is a God who provides. Every single day of the week except the Sabbath day, He provided bread for them so that they would be full. And they watched it for 40 years. What a statement He made. But you know what? That's not the end of it all. He wanted them to know that they know, that they know, that they know, and to remember throughout all eternity that He is a God of loving providence and provision so much that He put inside the Ark of the Covenant the golden pot of manna as an eternal remembrance unto them that I am the God who provides. Think about that. And then in the New Testament, that is all fulfilled. Because you see that in Hebrews 9, the golden pot of manna was in there. But in the New Testament, all that which was a type is fulfilled in Jesus. And he says to you and me today, I provide all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, the true bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. But you know what? I'm offering to you the bread of life. He wants us to acquaint ourselves with Him, to recognize that when we ask, He gives. To all men liberally and upbraideth not. Did you hear that? Jesus upbraided them because of their unbelief. But He said, when you ask, ask in faith, and He'll give to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But ask in faith. So He doesn't have to upbraid us. Do you see that? No, beloved. I believe it's time that we started to do something about the, the problem of doubt and unbelief. To go about teaching in the cities and villages and letting people know that it is an acute problem in the body of Christ. But you know what? It can be taken care of and remedied by good, solid, sound teaching from the Word of the living God. And if people will begin looking to Jesus and not looking at, at things around them and circumstances and all that, and those that have finished their course, as He said, we've got this cloud of witnesses... It won't be very long before our faith is developed and perfected in God and completed in God. And we'll rise up to a place of greater exploits in the name of our Lord because the power of God's Word is, is truly more active in our lives. Well, we're going to begin looking at some of these things that are going to help our spirit lives to, to recognize that we, no matter who we are, can have great faith in God. No matter who you are, your divine potential has already been placed before you. If you want to, you can rise up the ladder of faith. And you can get to a place that each day your faith is growing and growing and growing and growing and growing to a greater and greater dimension in God. And we're going to share some things, as I said, that are going to help us to see these truths in our lives. And before more thought, before I close it out here this evening, when Jesus called his disciples, remember he called Peter and James and John, and, and you know Peter was out there fishing, that was his trade. To show us in the New Testament that He is still a God that provides everything that we need. If it means six days a week, now it's seven days a week because we thank God we've entered into His rest. He called Peter, used Peter's boat. He said, Peter, cast your nets down now. And he says, we, look, we don't want to argue with you, Lord, but we know you're the preacher. We're the fishermen. We toiled all night. We found nothing here. He said, Peter, cast your nets down. So the, they cast the net down and, you know, they got a great draft of fish. Now, either P Peter was excessively hungry. You think about all the fish that they caught. Or he did something else for them by that miracle. 
It was a miracle of provision. He called them into the ministry and gave them a good start by probably providing them enough in that catch of fish. I'm just, you know, can I just throw a little bit of mine out there? You know, you don't have to accept that. I'd like to think that he gave them enough money possibly to pay off their mortgage so they can get out there in the ministry by selling all those fish they caught. Because, you see, he called them into the ministry. No man sells house and home and all that. You, know, you remember Jesus said that? Well, we know they had families. No, we know they had responsibilities. you think that Jesus would call these people to set themselves apart unto himself in ministry and not provide? See, I don't see that. And I'll show you why. Because they had needs before he called them. They had needs when they, he called them. They had needs during the time he w- they were walking with him. And they had needs after he left and went back to heaven. Isn't that true as long as they live on the earth? Well, he began by doing what? Filling their nets up that they break. I mean, they were so, so abundant. They might probably take them months to, to, to get all that they, they got right there. Sell all that. Make a profit at it. Right? Maybe took care of some of their bills and paid off their bills or whatever, whatever the need was. But they left all then for circle and followed him. Because that's the kind of God we serve. But you know what? At the end of the ministry, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead... What's the, what's the thing you find out? Well, they figured, look, we still got bills. What are we going to do? Well, they probably said, let's go back to fishing again. And he was there on the shore and saw them out there in the boat about 134 yards away and said, uh, have, you, have you caught any fish yet? No. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. And what did they get? Large fish. They brought up large fish. Why? Were they excessively hungry again? No. I'm leaving you guys now. I know you need to pay your bills. And what about this? Peter, you need to pay your taxes. Go fishing. Before, during, and after. And they use their own trade. Now, what about this one? To show that he's a God of provision. This man dies as the son of the prophet. Leaves his wife and child behind. She can't pay her debts. They're all around her wanting to get their money. Elisha the prophet says, go find all the vessels you can find. That miracle was limited by one thing. How many vessels can you find? She went into the highways and byways everywhere she could possibly go. Send her son out and find all the vessels that she could find. We're looking for ways to pay off our bills. We're looking for ways to get ahead in this life and meet our obligations. One miracle from God. When she came back, the only limitation was this. Can you find any more vessels? No. No more vessels? No. The miracle will stop when all the vessels are full. God filled up all the vessels with the supernatural with the, with the oil that she had. That cruise of oil never failed. They continued to fill one up, fill another up, fill another up, fill another up, fill another up. I'll tell you what, if they could keep finding them, they'd still be filling them up today. Did you know that? I'm exaggerating, but you understand my point. If they could have found double the amount that they had, it would still be filling them up until each one was exhausted. Until they were all exhausted. No more to find. And that's what had happened. But I want you to know this. It was enough to pay off all her debts... It was enough to feed her and her child for the rest of their lives. He said, you live off the rest. One miracle from God. One miracle from God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, which is the key 
And you know what? These things will be added to you. He is a God of provision. That's how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing that God our Father is a God of provision. Do you see that? And that's the only way we're going going to obtain that kind of faith. Great faith. You see, that's how you solve the hunger problem even in our lives. One comes to serve God, to seek God diligently and seek His kingdom and righteousness, and He solves the hunger problem in His life and His family lives. Because when a man chooses to serve God, there will always be bread on the table. I was young, now I'm old, the psalmist said. I've never seen God's children forsaken or begging for bread. How intimate, how personal Jesus cooked for them. Boy, I'd like to get teaching on something like that. We are to, what, exemplify the life of Christ here upon this earth. Do you know what? And I see people doing like this, it it gets my dander. I get to the point that, I don't know how God, I thank Him for His mercy because how can He tolerate this? A true under-shepherd follows the example of Jesus. I'd rather wash feet and I would rather cook fish and serve the people of God than to have people come and serve me. And that's the kind of shepherd Jesus was and is and will always be. Such a mentality that has existed in the body of Christ, even in the hour in which we live, that people think they're somebody special and people have to cater to them. Beloved, if, if we want to be anyone in the kingdom of God, it's going to be because we become the servants of all. We lay on our lives. Let's follow the example of the great shepherd. And have you ever thought about this? He fed the multitudes. It's an end to the hunger problem. Do you see that? It was always a part of the life and ministry of Jesus because it is the very heart of the Father God that when people are hungry, you feed them. And if you have just a little boy's lunch, that's no problem. You feed them. With simple, childlike faith that says, Father, you said. This sounds so dramatic. It sounds like it's way out there. But beloved, he wants us to have that kind of childlike faith. That says, Father, you're God. All things are possible. And you said nothing's impossible with me. Whether it's causing the oil to continue to fill up. Whether it's multiplying the fish that I catch. I know that you provide all my need. And I have absolute confidence in that. And as we begin to see that image of our Father in the Word, beloved, you know what? The days of hunger are long gone. Because if He has to send a raven send quail, or bring manna out of heaven, there's always food on the table. No matter who we are, as long as we serve Him. Can you say amen? See, that kind of preaching will produce faith in our hearts. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.